you're listening to my podcast. I'm Aaron Bean. I've actually given over a thousand speeches. I've written two books concerning ethics. Another way for me to get my ethics message out there is via podcasting. Each podcast will have a little bit different message about ethics. I'll have different speakers come in and uh, professors and people that I've met while I've been speaking about ethics, and they'll join in on some of the podcasts. Many of the podcasts will just be me, but I will have a lot of guests. I hope you enjoy my podcast. Let's get started with today's podcast. Some normalcy is returning now that we have football for us people in the South that are football fanatics. Today, I have a very special guest. I've had a lot of professors uh, from universities, and I haven't had any deans. And today, I'm lucky enough to have a dean of a major university, Dean um, Stephen Ferris of the Miller College of Business at Ball State University. And before that, um, he's a recent dean. He, I think he got the job in 19. And But before that, it was, he was the dean of the business school at the University of Colorado. Um, welcome, uh, Stephen. How are you today? Aaron, I'm doing just fine. And, and like you, um, I'm happy to see the return of football. Yeah, I'm, my LSU Tigers play uh, in two weeks, I think. Uh, so I'm, I'm anxious for that to get going. But uh, you say you were in the Navy. I was also in the Navy. I'm, you were probably an officer. I was just an enlisted man. But uh, what rank were you, and where did you serve your time in the Navy? Well, it was it was a reserve career for 23 years, and uh, I was a supply officer, and I kind of bounced around. I had a deployment in 2007 to um, Kuwait, uh, and we helped with the um, cargo offload there. Um, had a company of Steve Doors, uh, but I also did uh, tours of duty in Gulfport, Mississippi, down your way. Yeah. Uh, also um, in Norfolk, um, and then also at a place called Oxnard on the West Coast. Yeah. Those are some more memorable duty locations. Interesting you say supply. Uh, I was a storekeeper. And you so, got uh, SKs. You, you, you very so well might know what I did. Yeah, and, I know exactly what an SK did. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I never was on a ship, believe it or not, right out of boot camp. I, I got shore duty in Australia, and tough, uh, that was what, kind what of a unusual. Tough tour duty, huh? <laughs> well, it's not as good as it sounds. I was uh, 850 miles from the nearest city. I was on the northwest cape of Australia at a naval communication station that was communicating with the submarines during the Vietnam War. So uh, it was it was it was neat though to be on shore duty and uh, I guess the Navy thought I had it too good when I ended that duty they sent me to Vietnam and luckily I, I didn't see any combat I was in Saigon but um, I, I I did my time and I, I enjoyed my Navy life uh, I, it was it was kind of fun so well let's talk a little bit about ethics today sure. Um, I'm interested, you and I have talked a little bit, and, and I think I'm interested in hearing from you uh, 
why you think it's important to teach ethics in the business schools these days and um, how are you going about it and why do you think it's important for students to be exposed academically to ethics before they begin their careers? I, th I think I counted at least three questions in that statement. I'll try to, I'll to one, <laughs> you know, one, one at a time. Sure. Uh, have you re re rephrase it if, if, if I've, if I've, um, I think fundamentally in a, in a college of business, we're teaching young men and women to be leaders, managers of their organizations, uh, not just business organizations, but for nonprofits um, and other types of um, collective activities. And I believe that principle-based leadership is the only really leadership that's long-term effective. And the core of that, the core of that principle is ethical behavior. If you do not trust your leader, if you do not trust your manager, if you don't trust your division officer, if you're in a Navy, okay, everything else is a poison fruit from his or her leadership. Because when your subordinates don't trust you, they will not follow you the way that they should. And so I think, again, as we're preparing men and women for careers as leaders, it's critical that they understand that their, that their success as a leader is going to be built upon their, the trust that they're able to convey to their subordinates. And that trust is only going to be earned through principled, ethical leadership. That's why I think it's so important. Um, I think your second question is, how do we do it? Okay. And I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, we do not have a perfect model. Okay, I don't think any university has a perfect model. Um, ethics is a an ethics and correct behavior is, is more of a character, right? And so, how do you build character? We, it's, not, it's not like we're teaching the rules of accounting, but we can encourage them. We can train them. We do this through, I think, several different ways. Clearly, we talk about ethics, the importance of ethics in our curriculum, in the courses, uh, the importance of being of, of ethical behavior in our accounting classes, basically in all our courses. So we do that. We bring speakers in. Uh, when I was at the University of Missouri, they had an ethics seminar where they brought in criminals, people that were convicted. Uh, and yet, and, and they talked about, and they talked about the importance of ethical behavior. Um, we also have cases. We do case studies uh, in many of our courses where there's an ethical challenge and how's that resolved? And a lot of times the ethical challenge is it's money, financial return versus doing the right thing. And as a finance professor and as a dean, we often think about long-term versus short-term. And an important, when I talk about ethics, I like to talk about that ethics provides the long-term return. It is true. In a short run, you may have a gain by committing, by doing something unethical. Uh, but I also believe in a long run, it's ethical behavior that generates the long-term corporate success, the long-term value to shareholders. So, uh, and then also too, um, it may come in some other questions we may get into, Sometimes there's the reality where 
students do something not supposed to do. They may cheat. And they learn the value of ethics the hard way um, in terms of um, getting caught um, and reflecting upon that um, and respond to whatever punishments are imposed upon them. And sometimes they learn ethics that way. Um, so it's multidimensional in terms of how we teach it. Uh, and again, I like to say, are we perfect with it? No, but it's something that's developmental. And I'm usually very optimistic about this because for the most part, our students are between 18 and 23 or 24. So there's lots of opportunities, to, I think, to, to continue to develop the character. I don't think that their characters are fully set. So I'd like to think that we have a chance at this point to shape their future path and to show the relationship between their behaviors now and the principles that they learn now and the importance that that has for their long-term success. So maybe I answered all your questions, maybe not. You you have, and I want to comment particularly on the importance of what you said about trust. That's one of, when I give my speeches to university students and other people, I really stress that trust is important. I'm a big fan of Dr. Dan Ariely at Duke University. And he recently in one of his books said, a society without trust isn't a society. It's a group of people who are constantly afraid of each other. And when you look at some of the where people are leaving their their country and they're trying to get into the United States, in large part, it's because they no longer trust the government of their country or they no longer trust uh, their neighbors. And trust is is very, very important. So I I was glad you opened up with talking about uh, how important trust is. And um, cheating in college, I've spoken to over a hundred different universities and a lot of times I will ask the professors, what's the cheating level here at your school? Is is it a lot of it? And they're always a little bit disappointed. They say, yeah, there's a lot of cheating, a lot of cheating. And uh, I've just always been, uh, I don't know. There's so many things that happen in our society, like cheating in sports, paying athletes to go to a certain university, all these kinds of things. And, you sort of turn a blind eye to it um, because it's so prevalent, but that's kind of dangerous. If, if you're to the point where you rationalize it, some kind of behavior is okay. You just have to let it go. It, it's a problem. So uh, I, I would personally like to see universities be a little more proactive on punishing um, students for their cheating behavior, but um, I'm not, dean of a school, I'm, I'm sure it's not that simple. How does technology uh, coming in influence cheating? I, I know with uh, you can Google anything these days, and, and is technology making it, um, I'm sure it is, increasing the ability of the student to cheat, maybe making it more difficult to detect their cheating? You know, it's a little bit of an arms race um, in terms on both sides. Uh, Technology has certainly made cheating easier. Let me give you a couple for instances. Uh, With technology and the communication networks that are possible, uh, people can bid out their homework. The 
There are websites uh, where you can submit your homework, pay a fee, use a PayPal account, use a credit card. People will do your homework for you. Wow. People will use uh, communication devices, microphone, uh, earbuds, things like this, um, take pictures that they bring on their cell phones uh, where they can cheat on tests. So technology has made it much easier because communication is now much easier. Uh, and as you pointed out, you know, finding things online, pasting and cutting, uh, it's very easy to write the proverbial term paper, right? Mm -hmm. um, so definitely it's on the incidence of cheating, it's, it's made it much easier to accomplish. At the same time, the faculty are not without resources. Um, there are different softwares out there where we can run a paper through and compare it with other published documents and basically get a score of the likelihood that the paper's been plagiarized. Not really? They, they, yes, not only that, they can actually highlight the sections that look suspicious, that are highly correlated with documents already out there in, in cyberspace. So um, virtually all professors assigned papers will run it through some sort of a plagiarism checker. So we kind of escalation in terms of technology, in terms of being able to accomplish the cheating versus being able to detect it. Um, and that's, that's sort of the reality of technology. It, it's, it's a mixed bag. Um, uh, and especially now that uh, so many of the courses are moving online, where you no longer have the physical proctor, like when you and I may were in school, you took an exam and there's a physical proctor and basically it was impossible to cheat. Now you're at home, uh, you have the access to the world uh, via the internet available to you. And um, how you turn in an assignment ethically, it's, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. Huh. That's that, you know, it, I, of course, it's that way in everything. The the amount of fraud that's being carried on via the internet because of technology and the hacking of computers. And uh, I just saw in the news today where some pro football player uh, embezzled uh, COVID relief funds or something and big scandal, $23 million involved. But uh, technology allowed them to do that. The old days of needing a gun and going in to rob a bank—you rub, you rub it with a password, with a stolen password or stolen ID, and that—that—that that, that is your Smith and Wesson. Now, uh, I wonder, and I, I wonder this myself. I've been doing this speaking about ethics for almost thirteen years now, and I would like to think I'm having an impact and that I'm I'm causing. Uh, students to be more ethical and business are becoming more ethical. Uh, and I do believe that in some areas, uh, our business leaders and our students leaving college are better paired ethically than, than in the past. Do, do you, you agree with that or what's your thoughts? I do agree with that because um, I think the issue has gained prominence in a way 
that it's not had before. Um, students now are exposed to this very early on in their careers that they will be facing ethical challenges, that this little device here that all students have can be a gateway to the most insidious, the most wrongful, the most unethical, the most illegal activities you can imagine. Yeah. And for them to be exposed to that, for them to be given um, techniques and tools and perspectives in terms of how to respond to this um, is brand new. Um, we've articulated more clearly, uh, I think, in the, in the academy at least, in terms of the importance of ethical behavior, not only for your effectiveness as a leader, but then also the criticalness of this for the long-term success of the organizations that you're associated with. Um, I think there's also then other things here in terms of with a lot that's been happening in the society in terms of tolerating activities, whereas we would ignore before. Um, people are now saying they're expressing outrage. We're no longer, I'm, we're not going to accept that. Um, I'm not going to turn a blind eye mm -hmm. to that kind to that kind of practice. Um, you know, it's got a lot of publicity in terms of um, with sexual assaults or discriminations. But then also I think this again is this non-tolerance or this unwillingness to accept this these kind of bad behaviors also apply to just thing, things that are unethical or wrong or corruptive in some way. So I think all these things lead to the fact that these young men and women leave our colleges have a better understanding of the issues, a better understanding of the dangers, and a better understanding of the need uh, to be trustworthy. I, I agree, and I, and I think in a big picture kind of way, going back to the days where in the movie Greed is Good, and the, there was a narrow focus that a corporation's um, main goal was to deliver the bottom line to its stockholders. And today, uh, there's a more of an awareness that there are other stakeholders in the game and that corporations have a responsibility to protect the environment, not to uh, discriminate, and all of these things. I think, I think students are socially more uh, aware of wrongdoings, and, and they're, they're excited about it. They, they, like you say, they're passionate about uh, doing the right things. I, I've seen that in the past uh, 10 years that I've been doing my speaking and visiting college campuses. It, it's kind of different. And of course, I graduated from college in 1968. And uh, back then, you know, we were never, I never heard the word ethics when I was at, in school. And uh, your whole, you were trained to make money. That's what it was all about. And today, I think we all realize that uh, making more money than your neighbor is not necessarily a success. One of the slides that I have in my presentation is that in 1806, Webster's Dictionary defined success as being prosperous, generous, kind, healthy, and success. Today, if you look it up in the dictionary, Webster's Dictionary, the definition of success is the attainment of wealth, power, and rank. And I, I think that, that that's that's a little sad. There's more to being successful 
uh, like you said, you're training students to be successful in uh, conscientious business people uh, so they'll be trusted. And I think universities are, are, are playing a big role in that. So I do think things are getting better. You say that, and then you hear about Wells Fargo and all these new big corporate frauds. And sometimes the general public, they don't believe it. They don't believe there's a less corruption, that things are only getting worse. But I, I don't I don't sense that. You know, I, I, I agree with you. And um, there's a distinction here in terms of uh, making money is good. Businesses are supposed to make money. Uh, I think, though, where the confusion comes in is the short run versus the long run in terms of maximizing your income for the quarter uh, is not necessarily the best thing for long-term prospects of the company. So I would contend, I contend that ethical behavior is most consistent with the long-term success of the company. In the short run, you can increase your profits, you can wrap, uh, you know, increase your earnings per share, and you could probably do that with some unethical or questionable behavior. But are you creating long-term wealth for your shareholders or for your stakeholders? You certainly are not. Because these things come up, that you've inflated earnings, that your accounting statements are not correct. And what that does is that destroys trust in investors. It creates all kinds of problems for you raising capital. Um, it deteriorates your reputation. So who's going to want to partner with you? So in a short run, you gain. In a long term, you lose. And so I ask you, who's the better business person? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, any other things? You One of the things you mentioned you might want to talk about is how COVID has impacted students. And uh, uh, I, I have a real empathy for colleges right now. Y'all had a pretty tough job running a university, and now – it's doubly tough. I think you, every university is scrambling to figure out how to even keep the doors open and, and teach with with the COVID. Thank heavens for Zoom. Uh, if it wasn't for Zoom, <laughs> I don't know where we would be. But how, how, what's your thought on COVID and how it's impacted ethical behavior and all? Sure. Let me just tell you, I came here to Ball State um, I started my deanship in, in July of 2019. And what came here was a brick and mortar campus. Uh, in March, we put the entire wow. curriculum online. And the entire curriculum, every course was put online because like most schools. And so I kind of joked that we are now building, I'm helping to build an, an electronic university. Uh, um, and um, that will continue for a while until this, virus is contained, but there'll be some spillover effects. Um, the real challenge here is um, as students are forced online, um, they lose that mentoring of the professor, lose the peer guidance of their classmates. Mm -hmm. um, the temptations are that much more manifest, that much more open to them. Um, they're online, uh, rather than working with a study team to do a homework problem, they post it out and they pay to get their homework done. So I think what COVID has done is, is it made, is made cheating more accessible to students. It's made it more tempting, more convenient. And um, our challenge is, is to deter them from that and also to put in our own safeguards to, 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 to um, 
to prevent that. So I think across the board, COVID has made it easier, more attractive for students to uh, make the wrong mm. decision. What you're saying is really true. Uh, nearly always when I make a presentation to a group of students, after I finish my presentation, finish Q&A, uh, there'll always be a few students that want to come up and talk to me, ask me something they didn't want to ask during Q&A or they want to tell me about a parent that maybe went to prison for committing fraud or whatever, and they want to just share some thoughts with me. I enjoy that interaction with the students, and a Zoom presentation really <laughs> leaves a lot to be desired in terms of interacting with the students. And, um, we have a great business program, and um, ethics is an important part. Uh, we, we have a strong program here in entrepreneurship and professional selling, um, and both of those require a high element of trust uh, in in being successful. So um, hearing your message would certainly contribute to that. Okay. Uh, do you know what David Letterman majored in when he was at Ball State? Yeah, he was in telecommunications and they have the Letterman building right across the street. It from is there. the Letterman building. Yeah. Because I know he's, he's quite vocal about it. He went to Ball State and uh, uh, so. he's one of our most famous uh, alum, yeah. the designer of Garfield cartoon. <laughs> Cat, yeah, the energetic cat, yeah, Jim Davis, okay. yes, okay. uh, was um, also a graduate of Ball State. Anything else? I've enjoyed this. It's been great. Won't take much more of your time. Uh, I just want I just want to close by saying is I am excited about um, about the future generation. I think our students here at Ball State, and I expect also other students at other universities, but I can only speak to my students here at Miller College. Um, I think they understand how absolutely critical um, ethics and generating a sense of trust, uh, a trust with your boss, a trust with your subordinates, a trust with your peers, how that's actually going to be so critical if they want to join the ranks of successful uh, employees. That's good. Uh, and to achieve success, however you measure that, whether it's money or whether it's just even in a relationship with a man or a woman, you know, you need, you need that trust. And I think our students understand that. And, um, but we continue to infuse that message in all the things that we do in our programs here at Ball. Very good. You know, one, one could ask a question in terms of um, cultural norms and uh, cultural ideas of trust and integrity and what constitutes ethical behavior may vary across countries. And so how does one address this in a curriculum? And we address this, like many business schools address this, uh, when we talk about intercultural, when we talk about cross-cultural competencies in our different courses. Uh, we have recognized that the way you do business abroad um, may differ from the way you do business in the United States. Um, some of those uh, differences are, are purely cultural, but some of those differences are also legal. And so we talk about this in, with, with, with cases and with guest lecturers that come in that have done business abroad and talk about the challenges. And let me say, uh, the challenges are real. 
uh, in terms of uh, you can't do, you may not be able to do business unless a bribe is offered. Um, and clearly that's illegal according to U.S. law. How does one address that? How does one respond to that? Um, and so um, we do educate our students about that, uh, about the challenges they face and how you may address uh, it. Um, but awareness of global business is an important part of our mission in terms of preparing the next generation of business leaders here at Ball State. If we were to make a significant ethical lapse, uh, is there time to redeem or to recover? Um, my personal opinion is as follows. Uh, we are an educational institute at its heart. We are not a criminal court, a judge and jury. And even though there are consequences, it can be consequences, grade point average consequences, course consequences for an ethical lapse. Uh, fundamentally, we're here to train young men and women to learn from their mistakes. We, 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 train, them, we train them how to, we train them in principles of accounting, we train them in principles of finance. Um, I also believe that there's training that can occur in ethical behavior. So um, we believe that there is recovery. I do believe there is recovery, that there is learning, that there are teaching moments to be had. And um, ethical lapses that students are likely to commit range. They, they, there's a whole spectrum of this. And uh, we, you know, obviously you have to get into the circumstances of the individual to the case, but I approach it from the perspective that the students fundamentally are here to learn how to be effective leaders. And we know that people make mistakes when you're learning. Uh, what we try to do is so you don't make the same mistake twice. So um, that's how I kind of conceptually approach it. I mean, you know, when there's an ethical lapse in a person's 21 or 22 or 23, you know, what do we do? Do we, do we punish that person for the, for the entire of their life for that? Or can they learn from that and then be turned around and become effective leaders, good citizens, good parents, uh, just good human beings all around them? And, and I'm optimistic in that. Maybe that's why I'm in this business. Um, but I believe that young men and women come to college to learn, to discover. They're going to make mistakes. <laughs> Not everyone passes all their exams. We know that they... Uh, they'll make mistakes there, so they may, they may make mistakes elsewhere in other areas. And it's for us as educators to, to correct that and to redirect them. Common is between my military and my academic career, leadership. Leadership matters in a military unit. Leadership matters in academics. Departments and colleges and universities thrive or wither based upon leadership. Uh, two is creating a sense of teamwork um, and, and, a, and, and, and culture. Uh, a good leader makes people believe that they can accomplish more than they think that they can. And whether that be uh, an academic unit or whether that be a military unit, the leader makes the people believe that they can accomplish the impossible. Um, and then the third one is leadership by example. Uh, people look at their leaders. They want their leaders to be trustworthy. They want them to be ethical, but they want them to embody the values that they're trying to espouse for the uh, organization. And so, yeah, um, I, I joked that I joked to my wife that everything I needed to know 
to learn to, to lead a, a, a unit, I learned in the Navy the hard way. So yes, and I, I thank I thank the Navy for giving me the opportunity to lead its uh, sold, uh, sailors, and I thank um, the university for giving me a chance not to lead a talented bunch of students, staff, and uh, faculty. Very good, very good. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast today. And if you want to hear more of my podcast, uh, you can find them at Aaron Beam Speaks. I do have a website, uh, AaronBeam.net. And if you'd like for me to speak to your company or to your organization, uh, there's information about how to book me, AaronBeam.net. And once again, the social media uh, link in to me is Aaron Beam Speaks. Thank you very much.